Welcome to Theology Thursday, an ecumenical space for students to discuss matters of faith and theology. I'm your host, Connor Grubbs. I am your co-host, Ryan Mock. And I'm your co-co-host, Johnny Grubbs. <laughs> for those of you watching on YouTube, we're in a little bit of a different setup this week, and Johnny's face is... To be honest with you, looking at this shot, you may just be listening on YouTube, yeah. even if you're accessing on YouTube. Yeah, there's nothing much like, to look at right yeah, now. Yeah, it's it's a little disappointing. We thought we were going to record in Maple Street again, but it, it didn't work out this week, and that's okay. We're rolling with the punches. Just we're go with here. the flow. Going with the flow. So, Johnny, look, here's the thing. You sent a text message to the Theology Thursday group chat that yeah. said, Subpoint from heaven. Right. Okay, and I know that you guys struggle to find subpoints because most weeks we show up and there's there's no subpoints and it makes me sad. But this subpoint literally fell from heaven. I think so. So so share this subpoint with us. All right. So I have to I have to say this. I, I I sent you that text because I thought it'd be great to talk about on the show. And unfortunately, there's some information that I don't know about this film that I'm about to tell you about. Like for example, I heard an interview. Like with the filmmakers, but like I don't remember their names, so you have to look some uh, of this Luke stuff up. Luke Barnett is one of them. Okay, um, so anyway, I don't know. It was really cool to hear them talk about this film. It was really fascinating to me that this film exists. Um, you guys did an episode when I wasn't part yet of the podcast on Christian film history. That was like one of the first episodes we ever recorded. It was our first episode. Yeah. Okay, so I, I assume that like you guys didn't like give like five stars to the Christian film industry. Let's just say did not receive positive reviews. Okay. Right, and we, I, listen, uh, if, if people got saved as a result, like, I do not disparage where the gospel's being shared. Like, I, I, I assume one of your criticism is that that probably didn't happen because they're making these Christian movies and then the biggest market is Christians. Well, and I right? actually knew somebody who got saved, who, who did come to Christ, and, and, and I know has fallen the Lord to this day, at a really bad Christian movie. And so we mentioned the fact that, like... God could, stra- could draw a straight line with a crooked stick. That was the quote that I remember from that episode. Yeah, so so I'm not poo-pooing the Christian movie industry totally. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Fireproof. There's so much bad acting in that movie. And, like, looking back at the years, like, it was poorly executed. However, I still <clears throat> find it to be powerful for some couples. And I, I recommend it the other day to, to a couple and... and the, you know, we watched the trailer and like I, and they I, got saved, and they got saved twice. <laughs> no, but I think like it helped them see. Oh, I, I could actually incorporate this in my marriage, and, and some of it's real life stuff that people have done before, and based on real stuff. So, it, all that to say, it can have an effect, but it's not the best thing in the world, and um, and a lot of times it, it could be a waste of resources, and certainly though it's very lucrative, and that's when we get to. Faith Based, which is a film that's coming out shortly. I actually don't know when. It's, I think it's October 9th, actually. Faith Based, which is a fairly big budget, or a bigger budget. It's a, it's a blockbuster film. Um, Margaret Cho, who's uh, was on... Um, what's that show about the doctor? Dr. Ken? Yeah, he was on, she was on Dr. Ken um, when it was kind of big, and um, she's pretty funny. But... Um, I just that's the only big name actor that I actress that I know off the top of my head that's in that film. But there's other pretty big people in it, from what I understand. Basically, the film, these two guys who are kind of on the fringe about their faith, but they like they like church and they like this pastor. They think he's cool. You know, he was good to them. 
So they, they kind of go over to his house sometimes and go to his church sometimes, but they're not really like, <clears throat> have like a big faith, you know. Um, but they hear that his church is, is suffering financially and they like to make films, they like to watch films. And so they're like, well, one of the most lucrative industries in the world is is the Christian movie industry. Let's just make a film to save the church. But they're not really Christians. So they go out to make this Christian movie because they think it's the best way to make money. And it ends up being like Christians in space. And it's it, and there's this like parody yeah, thing yeah, that goes the whole, on. They're, they're making a movie that's about the first prayer in space. Right. So, <laughs> awesome. So, we, we, I sent the trailer to these guys, and I watched the trailer, and I agree with them. I didn't laugh during the trailer, so I'm not sure what I think about this film. I love the premise, but here's what's interesting about the film. When Faith-Based, when the, and they announced the film, everybody was like, Fox News, CNN, you name it. They were all like, there's a, there's a movie to bash Christians and to bash the Christian film industry. And it was made by a couple guys that still go to church, that, like, believe in Jesus. They, they were interviewed on uh, Phil Fisher's podcast, who created VeggieTales. You know, not that VeggieTales makes you a Christian, but it's just interesting. <laughs> it <does. laughs> it's just interesting that these guys were like, yeah, we're, like, we have nothing against the church. We don't even have anything really against the Christian movie industry, other than that the movies that they produce are relatively bad. You know, like, there's not good movies. Um, so, like... We just wanted to make a film that that is kind of a critique, but is more of a buddy picture about these guys discovering what faith really is, and uh, but not really. I mean, the film doesn't have like one of those bow tie endings. They don't like get saved at the end because they went on this journey or anything like that. It's just sort of like um, you know, like one of the themes that they talk about in the film is that there's like good people in the church and there's good people. I mean, relatively, obviously, total depravity, but like. You know, like, like some of the people in the church are acting worse than some of these people that go to the bar, you know? And, like, there's this contrast that's driven between the church and, like, bars. And it, it's interesting. You, you should listen to the interview on The Holy Post. Uh, it's one of their more recent episodes. All this to say, I just think, I just, I don't know. I guess I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really interesting when I heard about it. I didn't find the trailer very humorous, but maybe it'll be a, a good. I mean, I want to see it for sure, but... Um, it's gotten largely positive reviews. Um, I think it's sitting at a ninety-five percent right now on Rotten Tomatoes, wow. and and critics, both Christian and secular critics, have said we really like this movie. Yeah, and, and, and it seems like across the board, everybody's like, this is completely unoffensive, light-hearted, like genuinely entertaining uh, film for anybody. Right. It, it doesn't matter who you are. If you like the movie industry, if you like, if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, this is going to be an entertaining movie for you. And it's and and people generally think it's kind of a refreshing uh, break from the norm. So, you know, maybe it's better than the trailer makes it look. That happens sometimes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I just find it fascinating that their whole story that they made this. Uh, most of the media coverage thinks that it's disparaging, you know, Christians, and it's really not. And, yeah, you know, it's just the whole it's, people it's fascinating that it was going to be disparaging towards Christians, and it really gives a fair voice to both unbelievers or or the skeptical and Christians as well. So I'm pretty eager to, to see it. I will give this disclaimer. Um, you know, they make this argument, which I'm not sure if it's immature or just good art. You know, they talk about the fact that like. 
the two main characters aren't really believers. They like church in a way, and they, but they really like the pastor of this church mainly in the movie. So they use a lot of foul language. The movie's R-rated, and he, he wanted to clarify when he was on the the podcast um, with Phil Fisher. It's like, it's like it's R-rated because of the language. There's no nudity. There's no sex. There's nothing super vulgar. It's just we felt that to make these characters believable, um, you know, that a lot of the Christians wouldn't say bad words, and these guys who are sort of on the fringe of their faith and work in a bar would, of course, say things. Um, otherwise, the characters wouldn't be believable. Whether you agree with that or not, I'm giving the disclaimer because maybe you don't like to watch movies with a lot of foul language, and that's totally fair. So, I just, yeah, it's not a Christian movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, no, I think, uh, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe we can watch it once it comes out and do a little review on here as a sub-point. Yeah, I, I, love, I love the concept. I, I really would want to see this movie. I, I, I share the same thoughts. You know, I watched the trailer. I'm like, I didn't really laugh during the trailer, but I love the concept, and I would definitely, I would definitely watch it. There have been movies that had really bad trailers that ended up being pretty good movies, and there have been movies that had really good trailers that ended up being pretty crappy movies. So, yeah. you know, I don't think the trailer is necessarily the final say. you gotta, you got to see it for yourself. That's, that's right, yeah. I'll tell you one movie that just had the worst marketing. This is just random, but we're talking about movies that, that had, you know, really bad trailers but ended up being really good. I think the first movie that comes to mind whenever we have that conversation for me is Megamind. When I saw the trailers for that, I thought that looked like the I dumbest movie Megamind. ever. And yeah, then I finally too. saw it, and it's like very cleverly written. Yeah. And it's got great comedy. It's a great I movie. remember I went to the theaters with my grandfather and my cousin to see that movie, and I, I dreaded going because of the trailers. I was like, this is a dumb cash cow for little children. And we watched it, and I was like, this is a genuinely funny movie. It's you know, a deep it's a movie. Great, it's a, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. got some good themes. I love that movie. So anyway, I mean, it's just an example. You know, just because the trailer didn't make you laugh or it looks doesn't look too good, well, who knows? Give it a try. Give it a shot. Uh, Ryan, you have a sub point for us today? Nah. Nah? I was just kind of hoping you guys would, and I could just That's, respond. It's your tactic most weeks, huh? Faith base. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I, just, I said it. Like that's okay. We got we got we got some stuff to jump into tonight. Uh, I will, you know. I, Ryan suggested I, I I do make this a sub point. I did make the announcement this week. Wait, so really, this is my sub point since I suggested. Yeah. This. So why don't you share it? Okay. So announcement. Uh, Connor is releasing an album. Yep, that's the announcement. Uh, well, I mean, anybody... It's going to be a dope record. It's a parody of the Christian music industry. No, <laughs> I didn't laugh at once during the whole album listen. So did I not... I guess I texted you guys the questions instead of... So, by the way, I, I, I followed the link uh, that you sent in your Facebook post uh, to your uh, recordings from the live yeah. album. And... I remember that. I remember you were there. I you? was there, and I remember going to it. And when I listened to the song uh, previews on that that page, like I remember the songs. Well, did you donate to the cause? No. Uh, okay, that's fine. But I will. Um, you could donate to Connor's cause if you want to see him produce music. I guess I'll throw it down there. And yeah, you can listen to my first live concert. We recorded it. it it's not anything amazing, but it's fun. It's kind of a nice memory, and then. You can go down there and, and donate to us recording like How long ago was stadium. that? That was in 2016. Wow. That was yeah. four years ago. Yeah, I remember that very vividly. I'll be doing a solo on his record, so you don't want to miss it. 
It's not true. I haven't told him uh, about it yet. I, I can tell you a little bit more on, uh, on here than I did, you know, in the actual um, video that I posted. Is uh, So, it's kind of a concept album. I I don't know how much I should say. I'm Wait, kind of revealing it in pieces. Have I heard any of the songs that you're going to put on this album, or is this no, all new stuff? This is all new stuff. And this is, I've been waiting for the right mix of songs to kind of... Anybody who knows me knows I've been writing songs for a very long time, and I've always wanted to record, but it, I've, I've just been waiting. It, it had to be the right time, and it had to be done professionally. And so this is like an actual professional studio album. That's so, something I've been hoping for for a while. So you said it's a concept album. Is, is it following a story or a certain theme, or what, what's your uh, vision for it? Story and theme. Okay. Uh, so here's what I mean when I say concept album and I've been hesitant to share this because I don't know how far the project is going to go and I'm really focusing one album at a time but the concept is it's actually a trilogy of albums really um, and the songs are oh, already like out for the whole thing sleeping at last they didn't do a trilogy but they did like a yeah he does a lot of concept yeah. stuff but that's a lot that's of great. In- instrumental stuff and things that like that and so the theme is and this is what I was going to kind of wait to share but, but y'all are your podcast listeners y'all will get it first so if we're um, the three people who listen to our podcast, they get a little preview. Uh, it's been a lot more than three lately, and we're we appreciate you joining. Um, so, the idea is so Johnny knows. I mean, our our grandfather um, on our mom's side had such a huge musical influence on us. He had guitars everywhere. He loved guitar and. Um, he gave uh, us guitars. The guitars that we have and use mostly now were, were gifts from him, and he even, you know, wanted us to promise him that we would use those things to to the, the gifts that he was giving us to glorify God. And uh, very, very impactful. And uh, you know, he passed some years ago. Um, and I've thought a lot about: Do I go under a different name? You know, Connor Grubbs isn't the coolest like artist name ever. You know, but it is my name, so I could use it. The Grubbest. Uh, what I actually decided to use is my middle name, which is also my grandfather's last name, um, and it's McLean. Uh, so that's my mother's maiden name and past enemy middle name, kind of in honor of him. And so this whole album is, in a way, a tribute to him and just that we're kind of solidifying that, that my solo artist name that I'm going to be going under is McLean, my middle name, his, you know, last name, uh, because he had such a huge impact on me. And the McLean clan, um, Scottish clan, had uh, this, uh, they have an emblem and they have uh, this, uh, I guess it's a motto, sort of, these three values and it's virtue, honor, mine. Those are the three words that they have on their emblem, and those are like the three things they stand for. There's some literature I have on it that kind of like goes into like in depth about it, but those are the three albums in this trilogy: is virtue, honor, mine. So we're recording virtue right now, and it's funny because I was going back and forth. I had different names for the three albums. I had already picked what songs were going to be on them and what kind of the story and the 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 theme going across the whole trilogy was going to be and i had different names for each album but then i saw the emblem and i had already decided i was going to go under the name mclean but i saw the emblem and i saw virtue honor mine and like they each fit the theme so perfectly i was like this is crazy this is perfect so um that's kind of just some background i mean it's you'll hear more and i'll keep y'all updated as it comes out but i'm super excited about this because we've 
we're, we're getting pretty far into the first song and I'm just like, whoa, it's happening. Like professional, you know, my song is out there. So that's awesome. I don't like to, you know, it's not about me. It's about you. No, it's about, it's about, it's about you, but it's just interesting because I do like concept stuff and like, so just a little background for me, like, like when I, when I try to write songs, I can only write for musicals and that's how I ended up writing for Irish television for children. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the kind of music that comes out of me. But the best uh, attempt I made at writing an album was a concept album based on, uh, like, literature you have to read in school. And so, like, each song was, like, about um, the book, but each, like, different was, book. Wait, are you saying you used to write songs for Irish children's television? Yeah, I did. No You way. didn't know that? No, I didn't know I, You this. didn't know that? I gotta show you. Yeah, we were on TV, man. 110,000 people saw it. No way. Well, it wasn't, it's not about that. It, we shared the gospel in it. You know, that, that goes back to what like, Granddad talked about. Yeah. Like, let's use this for the glory of God. When I, I, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm, I'm a Muppet fan. And so whenever I would sit down and write a song, my songs were awful if I would try to write. Like, Connor. Connor writes awesome songs. Like, he writes really good songs. But if I just try to write a song like that you would hear on a record... It doesn't happen, but if I was writing like a musical theater type of song, then it just it just flowed, and so I ended up writing for television. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea about that. Yeah, that is a fun fact. I yeah, <laughs> well, and, and I appreciate you know the compliment, and and I I thought your songs were pretty fun too. Oh, yeah. thanks, man. Little, little, but it's for kids. You'll have to show me afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like now. the Muppets or something. Yeah. I mean, it'd be fun. I would love. But to. here's the thing. I mean, I. I think really all I have to show on that little album that uh, Ryan was referring to, my first concert, was is the songwriting aspect of yeah. it. Is like lyrically and melody. Musically, I had a lot, lot of room to grow when when that album was recorded, and so, um, and and I and I have grown a lot since then. But these songs, I just can't tell you how excited I am. But there was a moment that we were like kind of finishing up the song, kind of really decided, okay, this is what this is going to sound like, and I was just like whoa like it's just the right time and these are the right songs and uh, you know it's something i'm passionate about it's not you know i'm not i'm not trying to brag but these are really good songs and i'm excited to get them out there i wouldn't be doing this if i didn't believe that these were great songs that people needed to hear so well i'm excited um, i'm excited to listen to them when, yeah. they, when they're ready yeah yeah so do you have a target date i have no target date that's one thing i decided out the get-go too is like i needed to have a producer and people around me that were patient with the process because I didn't want to rush it. Halloween. Expected Halloween. It's going to be done Halloween. <laughs> um, I don't even know the one first song of Halloween. Uh, so here we go. Anyway, uh, enough about me. This, none of this stuff matters. But you know what matters is theology. Theology Thursday. Let's talk about theology, Connor. Yeah, boy. After uh, this brief uh, break, we'll be right back in just a moment. We had some sub points, and now we're ready for the, the point points. The point. These first two questions are from a young lady named Emma Van Dyke. Emma, thank you for uh, these questions. I love how you just really went for it. You gave us some real easy questions. Uh, no, but we've talked before, um, and uh, she works at Maple Street, where we've recorded a lot of our episodes, and, and we've talked about uh, the faith and, and different um, uh, maybe questions and things that that she has. These are these are some great questions. And the first one that we're going to address today is, what 
how has the church been intertwined with government throughout history, throughout time? And, you know, some people are all like, separation of church and state, yeah, but here's the bottom line. The church has been involved in government throughout history. And, uh, you know, has that been a good thing? Has it been a bad thing? And what has that looked like? Now, obviously, we are not, we don't have the time to give a comprehensive history of uh, the church's involvement with government. But if we can just kind of give a snapshot and then kind of talk about where we are today and where really we ought to be, like how much should the church be involved, that's kind of where I want to go with this. Yeah, so um, for, I would say, the majority of church history, the church has been intertwined with government. We see as early as the 4th century uh, with Constant, Emperor Constantine uh, establishing Christianity as the state religion of the Roman Empire. And for the longest time, that was the case, is that Christianity is the state religion uh, for much of the West and uh, for, for the East after the, uh, the divide between uh, Rome and the Byzantine Empire. Uh, you have ortho the Orthodox Church in the East and Rome in the West. And so that has been the majority of church history. You get to the Reformation, and uh, we still have the Holy Roman Empire, uh, which uh, still is Catholic. Um, but you also have, you kind of have uh, the formation of individual states uh, that might have either separated from Rome or is still quite mingled with Rome. And many of those states are still uh, Catholic as far as their state religion goes. What happens in the Reformation is that many of these states still have a state religion. And so a good example of this is you look at England. And uh, what had happened is King Henry VIII, who was the king of England, uh, he their state religion was Roman Catholic, but he wanted to get a divorce uh, from his wife. And the Pope had said, no, you can't get a divorce. And then, this is during the time of the Reformation, there were several key reformers in England who said, hey, if you, uh, if you leave uh, the Catholic Church, if you throw the Catholics out of England, become Protestant, if you make England a Protestant nation, then you could divorce your wife. And so King Henry VIII was like, yeah, that's, that sounds like a good idea. So he did. And that's where the Church of England comes from. And you see, that kind of thing happens a lot when you intertwine religion and state. You have stories like that, where we try and use religion to further a cause in your state, uh, like mm. you want to divorce your wife. Um, Stories like that play out all the time in church right. history and then, with, and with the state. Are you saying the concept of religion can be abused for their political advancement? Yeah, I might I might be saying well, that. Well, and what you see in that example is not only uh, government officials using religion for their own means, but also you see the church compromising to gain status. Yes. You know? And, I also, and while, I, I, while I, like, I like the church, I like Anglicanism, right? Um, 
not all things, you know, are, happen for, you know, good reason, you know. That that really happened because he wanted a divorce from his wife. Right. Um, well, all for Protestantism, you know. I've been involved. I wouldn't call myself a, a Baptist. I, I used to very much call myself a Baptist. I was proud of it, too. But I grew up in a very Baptist background, and, and mo- most of the people I do ministry with are Baptist. I still serve in lots of Baptist churches. That's, you know, very much something I'm familiar and friendly with. But, I mean, you look at the beginning of the Southern Baptist Convention, and there's some deep ties to slavery. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that the Baptist churches can't do wonderful things today and that God isn't using them. But when you you look back at our history, there are some real dicey things that have gone on in church history, primarily because of that involvement with government. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, you look at all of church history and we've made this conclusion many times before i mean like you look back you see all of like the crazy things that happen the the reality is the church is legitimate to me because not of how perfect it is but because how imperfect it's been but how christ has continued to use it so anglicanism for example happened for a wrong reason but there are many, I know Anglican pastors and stuff like that, where people are actually being discipled and know Jesus because of Anglicanism. So it's Absolutely. like, no ma- but I think the, the takeaway is no matter what we do, even if we do things for perverted reasons or for wrong reasons, if it's the church, Christ will prevail. That's right. You know? Yeah. And that's the idea. Yeah, and I would say there, there are definitely many good things that happened uh, under societies that had intertwined uh, church and state, but I definitely don't recommend it. Yeah, and even with Catholicism was the thing, and it was it was tied to your political identity as well. You know, it, it did lead to things like the indulgences and things like that. But there were obviously people who knew the Lord. You know, during that mm-hmm. time, it just took like Luther to kind of clarify that they had been walking with blinders on. You know, for a long time. So. It's interesting, but yeah, I mean, that was one of the worst, I mean, even that was a perversion, the the fact that the Catholicism was tied to government at the time, you know, yeah. the indulgences, all these kind of crazy things that came out of that. And by the way, that could still happen today, uh, not officially uh, in many nations, but it's still very possible for people to intertwine uh, their politics with their faith. Well, and, and, and so... Yeah, let's bring this to today. I mean, because we, we gave a few examples. Again, we can't really go comprehensively over all of the history of church and government. But we gave a few examples there. But let's talk about today. We did an episode, um, Is Nationalism a Sin? Oh, I can remember look it that. Up. Ryan and I talked. Johnny wasn't there for that episode. But I'm sure he would have agreed with most of what we had to say. The conclusion was, yes, nationalism mm-hmm. is a yeah, sin. Absolutely. Because your allegiance ultimately cannot be to a country. It has to be to Jesus, first and foremost. Now, look, I'm glad I live in America. I don't think I'd want to live anywhere else. Um, But at the end of the day, my allegiance is not to America. And there are a lot of Christians who would find that offensive, that I would even say that, because there are a lot of Christians, and you may have heard this growing up or being around the church, and you may still hear this today because there's still Christians who, who view it this way, think that America is a Christian nation. Bottom line is, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would vehemently disagree with that claim that Christ- that America is a Christian nation. Now, yes, people came here 
technically for the cause of religious liberty. Right, the Puritans came to America for religious liberty, um, but the Founding Fathers didn't establish America for religious liberty, uh, or or they didn't establish America for Christianity. Right, Right. well, in, in true religious liberty means that it's not it's, just for Christianity. It means the plurality of religion in society. Yeah. You you say, well, you're free to decide what you want to believe. The church has, the, the state has no say in uh, what you can or can't believe about religion. Which, by the way, is fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> I, we love I, that. I think it would be a very damaging thing if the state forced Christianity on Yes. Because uh, that wouldn't be an authentic faith for, for the vast majority of people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, hey, Johnny, I know you're chomping at the bit to say something here, but I, I just want to say America is not a Christian nation, and it never has been. The only nation that God has put his special hand of blessing on is Israel. Um not modern day Israel. Right. I would argue against that as well. Right. Yeah, no, I, it, right now it's the kingdom of God, and that includes all nations. All nations will be part of the kingdom of God. Yes. Right. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just, there's a couple observations that I want to make, and maybe they're a little bold, but I just feel like they need to be made. I think that there are two extremes that we can fall into. One is like zero involvement, don't bring politics into this. And I think that that can be dangerous uh, as well because there are many believers who think, well, we we don't get political, so we're not going to be active about that. And then all of a sudden they're leaving aside things like race, even even things like abortion, which Christians would say, oh, yes, I'm pro-life. But then I'm like, what what have you done about that? You know, right. and I'm not, again, I'm not condemning or trying to be like, oh, holier than thou. But I'm just saying like some political issues are also moral issues. Right, exactly. And so sometimes we're like, OK, well, we're anti-abortion, but we're not pro-life. You know, we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. You know, you can be one. You can be anti-abortion and not be pro-life. If you're pro-life, you're also going to be anti-abortion. But you so can. I think back to this example, right? And some people you are some people have used this in the past to make the case that, well, look, we really are a Christian nation. We were founded on Christian principles. But that's not what I would take away from this story. There's an old uh, story about um, how schools were founded in the New World when when you know the settlers came on the Mayflower, that whole Thanksgiving thing. They came here, they started to settle. And when they founded the first public schools, uh, they were founded under a thing. You can look this up. It's called the Great Deluder Act. <laughs> the Great Deluder referred to Satan. And basically they said, we need to found formalized education so that kids can learn to read so that they can read their Bibles. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the school system was founded on a, on a Christian idea. Now, when I read that story, I think, well, their faith informed their political decision and ended up benefiting everybody, regardless of their faith. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so I think that there's, and that's just one example. I think that our faith can inform our politics. And indeed, I think that um, if if there are more politicians out there, or even people that were active about certain things that we deem political, that are actually can be spiritual or moral issues. So we got to be careful there. Just a, just like wash your hands clean of it because there is there is a role for us to play because we're ushering in the kingdom of God. Yeah. We have a bigger nation that we're that we're we're aiming for here. Yeah. The other side of it though is and this is where I find this ironic and I am going to blatantly condemn this. And I'm sorry if you're part of this like in in some ways, but not, not really. Um, I don't know if you've heard of QAnon. <laughs> yes. Um this has become a really big thing and it's very harmful these conspiracy theories that are coming out of 
in the name of Christ, and there's like almost a sub-religion behind it. I've seen yeah. this tear apart families. Um, the reality is it's interesting because it's almost like, you know, we got away from Catholicism and the, you know, the, the church being like tied to politics, and we're almost seeing the neo-evangelical equivalent starting to bubble up in QAnon, where they're trying to tie um, Christianity to the GOP and like how the entire uh, eschatology revolves around America and how, you know, there's a deep state and all these kind of things and they're yeah. using it to to weld politics and the church and I'm just yeah. like... Well, no, it's really sad because over the past several years, hackers who post these conspiracy articles, knowing they're not true, but just trying to gain attention and kind of uh, maybe divide people and, and stir things up. It, there's some some empirical evidence. There's some stuff that's come up over the past few years that they actually specifically target Christians because they've deemed them the most vulnerable and the most likely to buy it and the most likely to share it. And the crazy thing is that has been proven to be true. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually become a little bit lucrative because there's a lot of people that are part Q that have YouTube channels that generate a lot of revenue, that create merchandise. This stuff is, sells like hotcakes. And what's crazy is a lot of the followers of it are, are kind of ambivalent to the fact that um, it's just another way to take your money. You know, like it really it is. And, and then for those that are genuine in it, they're just being deceived. And again, I'm just, all I'm trying to say is, there, that's the unhealthy extreme, and then there's the unhealthy extreme on the other end of like not getting involved at all. I don't think they're as welded together as QAnon might make it out to be, and I don't think that they're as far apart as you know Christians try to be just to avoid controversy. We've got to find somewhere in the middle where we engage politics as believers without trying to make the gospel and our political views synonymous. Yeah, and that's super important because, look, I'm going to say this too. There's a lot of people who equate one political party or another with Christianity. And they say, yeah, it, to be a Christian or to be a Baptist or to be, then you have to be this. And have gone so far as to say, I mean, I've seen a lot of people talk about, well, I'm voting Christian. I'm voting for the king. And uh, well, hold on there. <laughs> you know, right. Um, no political party. And no politician holds a monopoly on Christianity. And I think uh, I think there are certain biblical guidelines that you can go by when uh, picking who to vote for. And I think you need to think and pray through those things. And I'm not endorsing or, or standing against any political party or person right now. I'm just saying don't act or, or think as if the political party you choose to affiliate with is the political party of Christianity. Um, that's not healthy. And don't assume, because I mean, I'm sure you're in this, many people are in this place. Don't assume that just because somebody is on one side of the aisle or the other, that they also check all of the 100% of the boxes of the far left or the far right. You know, it's possible to vote more a certain way, but still have your foot in the other or your foot in the middle. I think as Christians, we need to be kind of in that middle space, deciphering culture and things like that. Yeah. And so a lot of people on both sides of the aisle will say, I don't understand how a Christian could vote this way and be, you know, and I'm talking like towards the other, you know, blue towards red and red towards blue and, and independent, right. you're wasting your time, you know. So it's like all these kind of things. It, it, it's well, it, it just take more time to do your research because here's the bottom line. 
there are things that both sides stand for that are good and right and actually line up with gospel issues, and there are things that both sides stand for that are completely wrong. Right. Yeah, and um, I, I'm just going to say it, cause, and I'm not going to get into detail about this because I don't want to be too divisive, but the reality is the hot-button issue right now is I would vote for somebody else or I, I, I wouldn't vote for this person, but abortion, right? And it keeps coming back to abortion. And I think that what you have to understand is, there, believe it or not, I've, I've met them, I've talked with them, there are pro-life Democrats. <laughs> I said it, you know what I mean? Like, it's possible. Oh boy, here we go, It's Johnny. possible to be pro-life and, and, and be on a different side of the aisle than what we typically assume is pro-life. Um, I'm not saying that's me. I would never tell anybody how I voted because that's between me and Jesus. But what I've, I, I've, I've come to kind of be like, that's not fair. I don't know. There, I have a lot of blue brothers and sisters right. that need Jesus. Yeah, and before, and, and, and before <laughs> from you, other Christians, before you hear the wrong thing. Yeah, what I'm, what, s- I'm, what I'm trying. Johnny isn't saying vote Democrat. No, what, no, I'm not saying that. What, what, what Johnny is saying. <laughs> what are you saying? Is, is right now, there's so much division and there's so much hate. Quit demonizing people you disagree right, with. Right, exactly. That's what I'm seeing right now, and I'm just like on both sides, demonizing people who are voting red or voting blue. And I'm just like, don't, don't assume that that person is a baby killer. You know, like it's just not, it's not <laughs> right. fair. You know, that's my thing. Right, and you know, and, and it goes, yeah, it certainly goes both ways. So it's right now. There's, we've just. And it's it's just been a thing, and we typically don't talk about politics on the show, but this was the question we were asked, and we are in the middle of an election season. I think it's important to talk about just having some basic decency. Like, okay, Trump was diagnosed with coronavirus and all that, and, and I saw people literally posting, I hope he dies. I don't care what side you're on. That's terrible. You don't say things like that. Yeah. And But this is how deeply people hate or love their person or their party and stuff like that has to stop by the way i mean people on the other side have said just as terrible things going the other way so that's i mean that's just an example because that's the one that's been going around these past few days but where is our humanity? It's just really sad i mean i guess that is our humanity truly i mean total depravity there it is i mean but what I'm saying is, as Christians, do not let this be such a black and white, such a, well, you're on that side, so I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And that's what it's become for most people. And I think if anybody should see something in the middle, something that's an alternative to all this polarization, it should come from the church. It has to. Yeah. It's so not going to come from anybody else at this point. We have got to model what it means to... I don't know just be unified as, as a body despite the fact that we don't all share the same exact political i don't know party yeah so <laughs> I, in in summary party. yay separation of church and state kanye 2020 okay I'm just I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and then also in summary like yeah there is a place for christians in the political sphere um be thoughtful and be prayerful about how you vote, how you get involved, um, and and don't die on hills that aren't worth dying on, which is most of them. <laughs> yeah, and for the record, I, I I don't think it's really negotiable. I mean, Christians need to be pro-life. Yeah, I just I, I all I'm saying is, your the ticket doesn't dictate whether or not you're pro-life, for sure or not. 
Sure. Yeah, and, and, and earlier we were talking about how you can be anti-abortion, not pro-life, and I just want to step into that a little bit more because um, this is actually what I meant my sub-point to be, but I forgot about it. We're in the middle of 40 days for life right now, which is a global uh, prayer vigil uh, to end abortion. And um, we we have already taken a very clear stance on this on the podcast. I've interviewed Scott Mahirin multiple times. I've interviewed Saul Pitchon and Charles DeMarco from New Life Solutions. These are guys who are out there every day uh, standing for the pro-life cause and we've had them on to talk about that and we've had them on for a reason I mean this is an extremely um, important debate and and, and and it's one of those things that crosses both the political line and the moral line you know um, yes we believe that abortion is murder um, and and we stand by that statement here's the thing though Here's what we mean by being anti-abortion and not pro-life. And this is where a lot of people have issues with Christians um, and pro-lifers because this is just the picture that they have in their head. It's these people that stand outside of abortion clinics with a bucket of fake blood and these like gruesome signs talking about how you're going to hell if you kill your baby and yelling at people. And by the way, that doesn't help anybody people who do that are anti-abortion but they're not pro-life to be pro-life means to truly care about not only the life of the child but the life of the mother mm. and it means you know at the end of the day it means caring about you know uh, minorities and injustice and all these things it's a very holistic thing to truly be pro-life uh -huh. um, and that's why ministries like New Life Solutions are ministries that I've endorsed because these are people who are offering free medical care for mothers who decide to keep their children. They're not just saying, if you if you abort, if you go in there and abort your baby, you're going to hell. You, you think that's going to encourage anybody? Like, first of all, there are people who have had abortions. There are people who have been involved in the abortion industry, and I hate that it, you can even say that it's an industry, but it is, who have come to know Christ. Right. You know, and they have been redeemed, and they have been forgiven. That doesn't take away the weight of what they've done. That's how powerful the cross is. Right, I agree. You know, but, uh, so, anyway, I'm going on a rant here, but it, it's an important tangent, and uh, yeah. I, I think it's one that is on a lot of people. Like you said, it's a hot-button issue right now in particular. Um, and, and, guys, don't let, you I, I would I would challenge the idea that you're pro-life if you only think about it when election season comes around. Exactly. It really has to be more more than that. Dang. And one more thing, uh, just look into it. It's a red herring that both parties use to control their voters, and then you, you, we're not actually accomplishing anything. Right, because on both sides, whatever your view is, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, uh, it's a very... Uh, it, it tugs on the heartstrings. It's a very emotional right. thing, and you can really kind of pull people in with both that. Both parties so. are taking advantage of the fact that you think a sitting president actually affects the abortion rate. There, I said it. All right, let's keep going. All right. Um, no, actually... At, at <laughs> Waiting the, for the comments after this <laughs> podcast. This, this, this could be interesting. We've had some weird things happen in the comments section on YouTube for Theology Thursday, and this could be the weirdest it gets so far. I'm ready for it, honestly. I'm down. Um, 
Ryan, any any closing thoughts on all this that we're talking about? Anything you want to add? No, just that I I 100% agree with everything that's been spoken. That's really the only reason Ryan's on the podcast. It's just to say he agrees. Stamp with of approval. <laughs> the Ryan Mock stamp Bye, of approval. Ryan. No, Ryan, we appreciate what you contribute. Here's the thing. Honestly, the time that we're at, uh, this is good. This conversation took up a good bit of time, and uh, I'm happy about that. So, Emma, you have some amazing questions, and we will continue to answer them over the coming weeks. Um, and next week we're going to talk uh, a little bit more. It's going to be good. Um, actually, next week we're going to take a little bit of a break from the questions and have a special guest, Mac Ralston, on uh, yes. from the channel Haunt Former. It's it's spooky season. It's October. I've been waiting for this. And we, I have been waiting to do this episode since I've started the podcast. Uh, Mac has been on before. If you want to listen, he shares his testimony and talks about kind of how his faith has helped him work through his anxiety. Um great episode it's a funny episode mac is just a hilarious guy um johnny i don't know if you've met mac or not but you're going to be very blessed once you do oh yeah absolutely um so next week's going to be a lot of fun uh we're going to talk to mac a little bit about halloween and kind of the history of halloween and how that uh, correlates with the church and we're also going to talk about is it okay for christians to watch horror movies uh it's going to be a really interesting discussion and I'm not even sure that I agree with everything he's going to say, but I that that's good that's part to of the be fun. exposed to other you know. Opinions we don't want to be an echo chamber. Ooh. Ooh, echo said the three white males starting yet another podcast <laughs> that nobody listens to. So, <laughs> Shrek. It's going to be great, and uh, we'll have all the Shrek four spoilers. Oh, Shrek five. I'm sorry. Yeah, we already have Shrek four. Uh, I thought they so were rebooting the franchise. If you How didn't you re- watch four, it's a re-spoiler. It's got the original guy. I don't know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us. I hope you got something out of this, and I hope you don't unsubscribe from our podcast. Uh, that's the most we're going to talk about politics. Okay, we're done. Uh, and uh, looking forward to being back next week for some more Theology Thursday. Ryan, go ahead and say it, and say it with your heart. Yeah, yeah.